You are listening to Your Drama with Chacha Sido and Tal Daan. Hello there everyone, I'm Tal Dahan and I'm Chacha Sido and you are listening to the Eurovision Juicy podcast Eurodrama. Today we'll talk about being a Eurovision journalist. Entering the press center this year was such an amazing experience for us, but a bit more limited than previous years. William Lee Adams and Sinan Sadula, two journalists from the biggest Eurovision website WeWeBlogs, will join and tell us about the lounge they opened in Liverpool in order to cover the contest as good as previous years and some of the European Broadcasting Union's questionable decisions regarding the press centre. So let the Eurodrama begin! Being a Eurovision journalist this year was, of course, an amazing experience, but also much more limited than previous years. The press center opened only during Eurovision week, no live streams were allowed, and the artists couldn't promote their songs as they did in previous contests. Journalists from the biggest Eurovision website, WeWeBlogs, decided to open their own lounge with free access to everyone in Liverpool and invited artists to perform and answer the audience's questions. We are here with two WeWeBloggers, William Lee Adams and Sinan Sinan. Sadula, how are you? Hey, Tal. Thanks for having me. So, are you ready? Let's do do this. (laughs) William, you have stated before that the press center has become a sort of prison. Can you elaborate on what uh, you meant? There's no freedom. I mean, back in Turin, we already saw that the EBU was trying to limit the access that journalists had to the artist. They were trying to put up walls, which completely goes against the values of Eurovision to bring people together. So after Torino, I was sort of like, what's the point? We should really try to set up something outside of the press room so that we can actually engage with the artist. Torino, not the city, but the press room was just very difficult. You felt like you were being watched. You felt like you were in an intruder, not because of the Italians, but because of the EBU. So yeah, by prison, I mean lack of freedom and inability to express yourself honestly. You couldn't really move around. It's a lack of movement. Um, yeah, it sounds strange to talk in these terms, but that's what we all experienced. You can't film uh, anything in the press center. Like, you can't film your reactions. You can't film your reviews. Uh, I feel like if we do also, um, you know, interviews outside of the you know the special interview rooms they will be like no you cannot do that and the artist will be like uh okay like what the hell you know and for me especially this year the press center wasn't wasn't fun i don't know even though i met new people you know the people are who make the press center bearable You know this year especially because I didn't have that much fun sadly because I really love you know going every day to the press center and you know um, meeting my people the artists and you know just you know building bridges you know uh, celebrating diversity and creating new contacts and stuff and this year that wasn't the case sadly with the press center but thankfully we had lush And we vlogs. <laughs> Can I say one thing? The point of a press center is to do work, 
And the fact is the media landscape has changed. So now in 2023, work means filming reaction videos. Work means filming yourself live streaming, you know, filming yourself talking live about what's happening. That is work in 2023. But unfortunately, the EBU doesn't want to allow people to do that work because they see it as somehow taking away from them. They view the pie as zero sum. So if you're having success, they view that as hurting them. In reality, the way they should view it is when anyone has success or an audience in the Eurovision space, it helps everyone because everyone together, collectively, we create enthusiasm. And so that's what's so unfortunate. The EBU, by trying to help itself, is actually hurting its cause. Why do you think the European Broadcasting Union has come to a situation where it restricts the journalists who in general promote the competition? Yeah, I'd say maybe it's not the EBU as a body, but rather specific departments of the EBU, the press department. I think that people have to justify their own jobs. So if you do social media content for the EBU, you want to get all the credit. But if other people, fan sites, for instance, YouTube channels, reactors, if they're generating buzz, then it's like, oh, no, we're not generating that buzz. And there's like this fear that maybe they'll lose their job or they won't get as much credit if people on the outside are sort of having success. It's very bureaucratic. This type of behavior is symptomatic of a bureaucracy. Um, you see this all over the world in all sorts of domains. So this isn't unique, but it's unfortunate because I think previously, I don't know, there was a synergy between the fan media and then the EBU press team. It was like, we're all making this thing amazing, but that's just slowly eroded over the past few years and the contestants, the delegations, and in, even the fans and fan media, they're all aware of it. So do you think maybe the collaboration with TikTok caused it or a part of it? That's an interesting question. I can only speculate. I don't know for sure. But I would say that at the point you're partnering with a corporation and like TikTok is a business, right? Um, you know, that maybe smacks of business interests as opposed to other interests like building community. And that's no shade on TikTok. TikTok does build community in its own way. But I think when you formalize a partnership at a very high level, that becomes business. And as you already said, apart from the press room, uh, this year you opened a lounge for the general public where artists came and performed interviews and songs live. Uh, yeah, of course, I've been there and it was uh, completely amazing. So thank you so much for this idea. How did the artists react to the Lush Lounge and... How was it to convince them to come? <laughs> um, so I know Sitnan will also have big opinions. Uh, Sitnan, do you want to go first? Oh, no, please. <laughs> so I was really, really touched by how enthusiastic the delegations, the artists, you know, the choreographers, the dancers, how everyone just wanted to connect with fans. There's this growing awareness that you can't really connect with fans in the press room anymore. In the past, they would all come to the press room and then they could see their fans, talk to the people on the live streams. But now that all of that's disappeared, you know, what are you going to do? Stand on the street? So I think the Lush Lounge gave people an opportunity to make that connection again. And so the EBU really blessed us. They really blessed us by closing off one space. It meant we could open a different window. And I just felt so blessed to be able to have Lush there to, you know, open this big door and the fans came running in. So to answer your question, delegations were enthusiastic. They were so excited to be in an informal space because 
I think one problem is when you create formal spaces, that means you shut the door, right? Because it's formal. So you have to put up a rope. You have to block people out. And the reason delegations were excited is this was taking the rope away. It was bringing people together. So it was really beautiful to see that. And um, people who couldn't come, they had made an effort. They were trying to figure out their scheduling. Um, and, you know, people moved their schedule so that they could try to get in. So it was just a great effort on all parts. Absolutely. And, you know, at some point, the delegation, they even told us they were like, thank you for doing this. They were so grateful because it was like, you know how the rehearsals are, you know, they probably have so much stress there, you know, trying to fix and trying to make the whole performance and the whole project perfect. And the Lush and We Blocks was like something to, you know, just to have fun and, you know, to meet the, the press media, you know, the press who were there were normally, you know, the fan media, you know, the, the fan press. Um, more than the you know the official ones you know the TV and stuff but we, but we also had you know TV televisions from the Netherlands um, Denmark I believe and you know all other countries and it was also very much fun seeing you know all the fans Eurovision fans coming inside and you know meeting with their friends or meeting with another Eurovision fans for the first time you know they were making events um online you know on instagram or on twitter actually asking oh my gosh who is going to the lush and weeblogs blocks today because um blanca paloma is coming or you know other singers and we also saw you you know tal and shahar and it was it was really really beautiful and oh my gosh such a gorgeous place lush you know and it smells so good i absolutely loved being there every yeah. day you know <laughs> It was interesting because I thought I would miss the press center the first week, but I mm. didn't. I was actually relieved that we didn't have to go to the press center. And I just felt so much joy being in Lush. It was just a different vibe. And, you know, yeah. who knows what will happen in Malma, but I look forward to trying new things there, too. Yeah, I think one of the reasons you felt that way, it was because of uh, the restriction of live, live streams. It was like almost unbelievable it's what you do in the press centers normally yeah because people were basically sitting in the press room just to watch the rehearsals and then there was no work to be done so it you know it, it defeats the purpose newspapers from all over the world will send a journalist who writes one article they write one article about the final and that's it and then they're there just hanging out there's no work happening but the EBU because of their rules That means the press center becomes a place where there is no productivity, right? Because, you know, in Turin, we would have people who worked at a newspaper in Portugal. And then after they finished their article, they would live stream with us. So all of their time, they were contributing to something. But the EBU said, oh, no, 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 no. You from the Portuguese newspaper, you can't contribute to the fan site. No sharing. So then that person would just sit there doing nothing but take up space. So it doesn't make any sense. And Again, it's just so counterproductive. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this year, the press room opened later than usual, only during Eurovision week. Several countries that took part in the first semifinal signed a petition stating that they are unable to promote their songs when they don't have access to journalists in the press center. And therefore, it's difficult to conduct interviews between rehearsals. Do you think that the EBU will learn the lesson for the next few years? 
Uh oh. <laughs> I would hope that the EBU has listened and will respect the wishes of delegations who ultimately make the show. If you're from a small country, being in the first semifinal early, not getting to promote yourself, you might say you're wasting money by participating if you're not given the level playing field to promote yourself. So maybe that will discourage those countries from participating in the future if they're not allowed to promote themselves. So the rational part of me says, of course, the EBU will listen. But as we know, people's personal motivations, people's personal grievances, their grudges will sometimes cloud judgment, cloud sense. So I take nothing for granted. You know, I say hope for the best, but assume the worst. Yeah, and we don't want to make you in trouble, but can you tell us which countries signed the petition? Oh, so I believe, I know for a fact Portugal signed the petition. I remember that. And Mimi Cat, of course, was in the first semifinal. Um, I don't remember the other countries. Sinan, do you know off the top of your head? Um, wasn't the Netherlands there? I'm not sure. Uh, well, we can talk on weeblogs.com actually. Yeah, I think we, can, we can talk after. <laughs> I think it's public, right? I think so. You know, yeah, yeah, so they, busy at Lush. Yeah, they, I, 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 I remember they made a statement and they published. I think that was the Netherlands as well there. Was Czechia in that as well? Mm, not sure. Really, I, I really can't remember. But I know that we had like seven countries, right? It was like seven. I thought it was nine. I think it was Four, nine. nine. Okay, we'll check that afterwards. Oh yeah, we have to do that. <laughs> yeah, so do you think the press center will return to its original form uh, in future contests? Or do you consider opening such a lounge in the future as well? It's a great question. You know, with Sweden running the show next year, that mm. gives me hope, actually. Because Sweden understands the power of fans coming together with artists. We see this at Melody Festival and it's very well structured. So a part of me has hope. At the same time, ultimately, it's the EBU who is in charge, right? The EBU has final say over a lot of things. So I don't know, but I do know this. Wee Wee Blogs already has plans in the work. I can't reveal anything just yet, but you know, we're gonna proceed. The EBU taught us a beautiful lesson in Liverpool, and that's don't depend on the EBU. So we won't. And we will continue to innovate, originate, create. And I thank them for giving me this fire because I was ready to quit after the last Eurovision. I was exhausted. And, you know, I was ready. I was wrapping it up. But then <laughs> over the summer, I won't go into detail. There was just some ugly behavior. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in harder. I'm a slut. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the power of a unicorn. <laughs> you know, um, give you lemons, you make lemonade, right? When people mm. throw watermelons at your head, you make watermelon juice. Oh, that's Facts. delicious. That's <laughs> delicious. i'm I'm really looking forward to Malmo, really. I, I I feel like you know, Sweden has done always great with the you know, with uh, preparing Eurovision with the whole. Um, you know, professional teams and creative teams and everything. And I feel like EBU should and will listen to Sweden because Sweden has, you know, reputation and they won seven times now. So, girl, you better listen, honey. You better listen <laughs> because you will win if you listen, Sweden. <laughs> William Lee Adams and Sinan Sadula keep slaying as usual and see you in future contests. 
Okay, that was intense. So let's take a deep breath and talk about our experience in the press center this year. So this year, it was the first time that Tal and I covered the contest for our website, Euromix, the amazing website in Hebrew. And it was an amazing experience. We met so many amazing people and professional people. We danced, we sang, we watched the rehearsal, we met the artists and the dancers, and we did interviews. And we were so grateful to be able to get into the press center for the first time. Since 2021, we've waited for this moment and we worked hard for it. And we were so honored to get to be there. Yeah, and we actually kind of met each other through Eurovision. And in 2021, in the Eurovision, we were quarantined and the rehearsals and watching Weeblogs and other websites covering the contest. It was such an amazing moment and we were like... Every day watching three live streams and therefore we became closer to each other. So those live streams made us feel like we are a part of the contest. We are part of the press bubble and it was so phenomenal. Eurovision felt so far away from us because it was in another country. We couldn't travel there and we couldn't even go away from home. It was like COVID time. So we felt like we are part of the press bubble and a part of the Eurovision amazing community. We could ask questions about the rehearsals and we really experienced this amazing thing with the journalists. Yeah, and also we could we could hear the journalist's opinion about each performance and we kind of knew who will surprise us, who will do not so well. So it was really important for us since that moment we knew we want to be there as well because of that. So this year it was a bit ironic because live streams were not allowed in the press center. So when you arrive the press center, all you want to do is to do your job, to report and cover the contest as you need to do. So not being able to do live streams. I have to say, in this time zone, to cover the contest, it's not only writing. We have social media, we have pictures, we have live streams, we have reels, we have TikToks. We, we need to film, we need to talk, we need to say our opinion. This is what people want to hear and they prefer most of the time to see as well, to see us even. I'm not saying to see the staging or hear the artist. They just want to hear from us, the, our opinion and from the other journalists. Yeah, they want to know how, what to expect. And with journalists, this is the best way possible to do it. So this year, live streams, as we said, are were not allowed. So we wanted to do live streams. So to do it, we had to jump to our apartment 30, away, 30 minutes away and to walk from the press room to our apartment and backwards 
every time and it was such a hard time for us to do it. And there is not such a big difference between doing it in the presenter and doing it, doing it outside of it. It's just the location. We have to say here, we understand the intention of the ABU not allowing us to show the staging. It's obvious. And I can also under, understand not doing live stream during the rehearsals because the viewers can hear a part of it or maybe like if the camera is moving to see like a bit, like one second from the performance. But I feel like at least to give us the opportunity to, to do live streams between rehearsals, I feel like it's the minimum for us to bring the viewer the feeling that he is also here. He can hear our opinion to feel like he's also with us. And, you know, just to know what to expect, at least who will do good, who will do bad who will change anything that could be changed. So like we felt during COVID time when Eurovision was in the Netherlands. Also this year, um, the press center opened only during Eurovision week uh, instead of two weeks before Eurovision as it was in previous years. So countries in the first semifinal couldn't really promote their songs because artists usually tend to go to the press room, talk with the journalists, uh, do some interviews and promote their songs. And countries in the first semifinal couldn't do it this year because it was too late and they were rushing between rehearsals during that time and they didn't really have time to do all of these things. So I understand why they signed this petition stating that they are not able to do it, not like the second semifinals countries. So we did interview with Mimikat, the Portuguese representative, and it was after the semifinal. And at the beginning, no one knew or thought that she will qualify the semifinal. So we were lucky to get the interview because she passed the semifinal. But imagine one song being robbed because of social media, not being able to promote your song as you thought you will or as it was before and not having so many options to to do that because it's much much more easier to promote your song when you have journalists in the press press center when you are in the arena during rehearsal you can just come after the rehearsal and just chat with them doing interviews etc and also when you have journalists covering the contest much time before so they can criticize the song, the staging, the singing qualities and stuff like that. So the artists know what to change or the stage directors, choreographers, etc. They know what to change in time. So, for example, this year's when Dalnay came during the Eurovision week, we saw Alika's performance and one of the shots were the piano. And we saw that it was quick shot, but then... We saw the, the piano for like five seconds. I think it was during the start of the performance. And then we talked with someone from the Estonian delegation and we talked about this specific frame and he told us, yeah, we're, we are about to change it. Thank you for telling it to us. And during the semifinal, it, it was changed. So for us, the journalists, if we have the opportunity to tell the delegations if something is not correct, if something is need to be changed in the performance. 
So we can take advantage of that and we should do it. And one last thing, the EBU supports democracy very much. And we see it, for example, like only democratic broadcasting unions can join the competition. For example, Russia and Belarus are not no longer in the competition because of that. So it's kind of questionable for the EBU to keep the power for themselves and not letting other sites to promote their competition. So for example, our website Euromix, it's for the people who speak Hebrew, people from Israel. So it's much more easier for them to keep up with the contest and know the things that, that are happening during the rehearsals and any events. Overall, as many broadcasters and websites covering the contest, it will lead to many more viewers from each country. So the EBU should have an interest to invest in the press center, in my opinion. But we want to end it positively because next year Eurovision will be held in Sweden. As we went to Melody Festival and this year, we are so, so excited and looking forward to be there again in Sweden because the presenter in the Mellow was amazing. We did their live streams without showing the screen, obviously. The people there are so professional and we are so looking for how is how it's going to be there. And in Mellow, we also participated in press conferences with the artists and it was so personal. Sweden really supports the connection between journalists, fans and artists. So we're really looking forward to that in Malmö. Now I see myself That's it. We've made it to the end of the episode. I'm Chacha Sido. And I'm Tal Dahan. And we want to thank William Lee Adams and Sinan Sajula for this interesting interview. For more suggestions to other guests behind the scenes of our beloved contest, feel free to send us an email to eurodrama.podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at eurodrama.podcast. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. Goodbye! Goodbye.